0: When you got ready to go to church this morning, you probably had several ways you could get here. You could drive in your car, you could ride your bike, you could walk, you could rollerblade, many different ways, many alternatives. But when it comes to salvation, there is no other alternative than Jesus. And that uh, is so clearly seen. In 2 Kings chapter 5, where we find the story of a man by the name of Naaman, there was only one way for Naaman to be healed, and when he finally came God's way, God did a wonderful work in his life. 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to start reading at verse 9, 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning at verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father... Had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the cleansing that comes to us as we put our trust in Jesus, as we act upon the Word of God that invites us to confess our sins, invites us to put our trust in the finished work that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. And Father, I pray that you would take now the words that you have given. Uh, By the inspiration of your Spirit, apply them, Lord, to our lives today and help us to see that there is no other way, no other hope, no other alternative to salvation than the precious name of Jesus, For we pray in his name. Amen. There are some people you meet in life who just seem to have everything going for them. You know anybody like that? They're good-looking, they're intelligent, they're wealthy, they have a, a pleasant personality, and they just seem to be the envy of everyone. And a lot of people would wish that they could be just like that kind of person. Oh, if I could be just like him. Oh, if I could be just like her. How wonderful it would be. The passage that we just read uh, describes a man who who was kind of like that, a man who had everything going for him. If you look at verse 1 of this chapter, it says that Naaman was the captain of the army. He was a great man with his master. He was highly respected. He was a valiant warrior. And that might have been just some of the things about this man that people would have admired. But then you come to the last phrase of verse 1 and everything changed. All of these accomplishments, these titles, these things that we could have said about Naaman. He was a leper. And I can imagine when the physician told him, Naaman, I got bad news for you. You've got leprosy. And he knew that that was eventually a death sentence. And there was nothing that he could do. His world must have come crashing down in upon him violently. In spite of all the wonderful things said about him, there was something that was ruining his life. But you know what? God was concerned about Naaman. God wanted to heal Naaman and when Naaman finally came to the place that he realized that God was the only one who could heal him. His life was miraculously changed. He was healed of his leprosy. And Naaman came to understand that day of four fundamental truths when he dipped in the Jordan River seven times and came up clean, restored. First thing he discovered is this, that there is no other way but grace. No other way but grace. Uh, Naaman was a Gentile, the commander of an army that was against the people of Israel. He was not a part of the covenant that God had established with Israel. But God reached out to Naaman in his need, and he did it in a very interesting way. We look at verse 1 and we see that God had given victory to the enemy army that Naaman was the captain of. And we're told then, verse 2, that they had gone out in bands, they had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus spoke the girl who's from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, I will send you with a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed, verse 5, he took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothes. Now I'm as sure as I can be that it wasn't very easy for this little girl to be taken captive and to brought, be brought into the house of of Naaman. And I'm sure she probably wondered, Lord, what are you doing? Why this? Why have you brought me to this land? But she became God's instrument. She became God's missionary to Naaman. And instead of despising him for taking her into his home as his servant, she cared for him. And she knew of the prophet Elisha. And so she told Naaman's wife, I wish that my master would go to Elisha, because Elisha would would cure him. And so God graciously put this little girl into the life of Naaman so that Naaman could hear about how he could be cleansed. Naaman was not seeking after God. But guess what? God was seeking after him. And that's the way it works with all of us, right? It's not we who seek after God, because by nature we don't. We do not seek after God, but God is the one who seeks after us. Isaiah 53, 6 says that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But Jesus said he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I believe it was no coincidence that this little girl was put in that home. God had put her there. God had placed her there so that Naaman could hear the good news that he could be cleansed. I would call that a divine appointment. God's missionary to Naaman. Now it's obvious that Naaman and the king of Aram uh, didn't really understand what what grace is all about, uh, they decided that Naaman should bring along with him a chariot load, and I mean a chariot load of gold and silver. Verse 5 says he took uh, ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold. And if you're wondering what that translates into, that was seven hundred and fifty pounds of silver, and 150 pounds of gold. That took a chariot. (laughs) And in today's value, if you're wondering what that is, uh, $250,000 worth of silver and $3.5 million worth of gold in today's value. Can you imagine that? $3.75 million worth of precious metals. Naaman evidently assumed... That Elisha would expect to receive something, some expensive gifts in return for the healing. So here he comes. If I've got this for you. I'm going to give this to you if you just heal me. That's a typical approach of, of, of sinful nature, right? You've got to earn something. You've got to give something so that God will give something in return. And Naaman didn't understand grace, did he? And there's a lot of people in our world today that do not understand the grace of God. Because if you ask them, if you were to stand before God today, and He were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? (laughs) And you know what you'll get about nine times out of 10 I'm a good person. I try to do my best. I try to live by the golden rule. I try to keep the Ten Commandments. They don't understand grace. Human nature does not understand grace. But that's the only way. The only way we will be saved is by the grace of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. And over and over again, the scripture makes that so clear. I think of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Could have been written for Naaman. Knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold <laughs> from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless the blood of Christ. That's how we are redeemed. And when we come to the Lord's table this morning, we are reminded of that, that it's the redemption offered through the blood of Jesus completely by the grace and mercy of God. There's nothing you can do to be saved. There is nothing you need to do to be saved. And if you come to God, presenting your good deeds as if He should give you, you merit salvation, that is an offense to God. You know why it is? Because in effect, what you are saying is that What Jesus Christ did on the cross is not enough. And it is enough. It is the finished work of Jesus. It is not faith plus works. It is faith alone based upon the grace of God. Jesus paid it all, the hymn writer says. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. There is no other way but grace. The second thing Naaman discovered that day, there is no other hope but God. When Naaman came to Israel to be healed by the prophet Elijah, he he brought this letter from the king of Aram. Verse 6, he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now, as this letter comes to you, behold, I've sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now, if you're the king, you're thinking, Oh, okay, great. You're expecting me to do this. Verse 7, When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God? <laughs> Am I God? To kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. So the king of Israel was suspicious. Why on earth is the king of Aram asking me to heal Naaman of his leprosy? He must be picking a fight. He must want to go to war. And so he he, he completely misunderstood the request but you know the king of israel did understand something he was totally correct about this if someone was going to be healed of his leprosy it had to be the work of god there was no other hope but god and that's why he says am i god D- do you think i can heal this man do you think i can kill and make alive do you think i have the power of of god He understood there is no hope but in God. And what most people don't realize is that the same is true when it comes to salvation. There is only one person who can save us. There is only one place we can find hope. And that is in Jesus. There is no other hope but in Jesus. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, And the life, no one comes to the Father except through Me. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No other way. And this is a message that is becoming increasingly unpopular in our culture today, isn't it? If you say that there is only one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus, you are going to be ridiculed. You might be persecuted for that, because who on earth do you think you are? That only Jesus can save. All religions have merit. You might go that way. I'll go this way, people might say. As if there are many ways to be saved. God's Word is clear. And this is a truth that we must not ever compromise. That Jesus Christ is the only way. He is our only hope. And unless you come through Jesus, you do not have eternal life. God's Word says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's as simple as that. So do you have Jesus today? That's where your only hope is. And that's what Naaman discovered. There's no other hope but God. The third thing he discovered that day is that there is no other response but faith. When word of the king's dilemma reached Elisha, he told the king to send Naaman to his house. Verse 8, it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots full of gold and silver and ten changes of clothes. And he came and arrived at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. That's my might have offended name. And Elisha himself didn't even come. He just sent a messenger to him. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And your flesh will be restored to you. And you will be clean. Now, was that difficult? Was that hard? Couldn't understand that? Very simple request. But Naaman was not convinced. In fact, he got mad. He was angry. Here's a guy coming with leprosy. And he's told what to do and he gets mad. Verse 11. But Naaman was furious. And he went away and said, Behold, I thought... He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and and cure me. And then in verse 12 he says, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He is fuming mad angry. he's standing there with leprosy. He's told what to do. And he is so, so mad, so upset. It was about a hundred mile trip he had taken there. And now he's going to walk away pouting. He's upset. So what was his problem? Well, he was convinced that it just can't be that simple. There's got to be more to it than that. And, and Naaman's servants recognized this. Look at verse 13. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, I'm not sure the tone of voice, but if that had been me, I'd say, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? And What's the obvious answer to that? Yeah, yeah. How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. Naaman figured there has to be more to it than that. And the servant says, if it was some great thing you to do, it, just do what he says. Take him at his word. This word is coming from the prophet. This word is coming from God. Just take God at his word. And boy, I'll tell you, there's people today that are just like Naaman, right? Right? How can I be saved? You, you repent of your sins and you put your trust in Jesus. There's got to be more to it than that. It can't be that simple. It is. Jesus said, except you become like a little child, <laughs> you'll not enter the kingdom." What does a little child do? They trust you. And when Jesus gives us His Word, the Gospel, we trust Him. We stand on that Word. Naaman said it, it, it just, it just can't be that simple. The other problem, he said, is is that I'll do it my way. I'll do it my way. As Naaman thought of dipping in the Jordan River, he said, you know what? I've got a better plan. I've got a better way. There's these rivers in Damascus, Abana and Farpar. They're better than the waters of Israel. Better than this Jordan River, why can't I just wash in them and be clean? So he turns away in, in, in a rage. So instead of re- responding in faith to the word of God, he responds with unbelief. And had he not finally listened to his servant, he would have died a leper. He would have gone back to his land a leper. Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse used to say, everybody has the privilege of going to heaven God's way or going to hell their own way. Quite a statement, huh? Everyone has the privilege of going to heaven God's way or going to hell their own way. And there are a lot of people today going to hell their own way because they refuse to come God's way. They refuse to acknowledge they are lost. They are sinful. They are under the condemnation of their sin. That Jesus Christ is the only way. Who was the singer that said, I did it my way? Who was that? Sinatra, yeah. I did it my way. That's what people are saying today about salvation. I did it my way. You won't do it your way. Because there's only one way. And that's by coming to Jesus. By faith taking him at his word, putting his trust, putting your trust in the promise of God. There is no other response but faith. The fourth thing that Naaman discovered that day is that there is no other God but the Lord. When Naaman finally decided to come to God by faith, his life was changed. Verse 14, so he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. And notice this, according to the word of the man of God. That's a key phrase. He was placing his trust in the word of God. According to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. You know what, when God does a cleansing, he does a good job, right? Right? you did have skin like us old people, you know. Look at my skin, all scaly and freckled and rough. I mean, he was restored. His flesh was just like that of a little child. Have you rubbed the flesh of a little child? Ezra, rub, rub, rub Ezra's cheeks when you leave church today. We had a couple of grandkids over yesterday, you know. And boy, I'll tell you, when you just put your... Hand on their neck or their cheek. I'll tell you, there is something about that flesh that is so precious, right? It's just, and when Naaman was healed, just like the flesh of a little child, when God does a healing, He does a good job, doesn't He? Amazing. But the healing was more than skin deep. It wasn't just His skin that was healed. There was a change that took place in the heart of this man. God did something within him because Naaman came to understand something about who God is and it transformed his life. Look at verse 15. When he returned to the man of God with all his company, with his flesh like a little child, and he came and stood before him, he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now that's interesting coming from a pagan man, right, who probably had all kinds of gods. Now I know. Now I understand. There is no God in all the earth but in Israel. There is one true God. So please take a present from your servant now. And uh, Elijah said, no, no, we're we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I'm not going to take anything. I don't want anybody to realize that I'm in it for the gold or that, you know, you give a little and God will give a little. That's not grace. Then Neaman said, If not, please let your servant at least be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer burnt offering nor will he sacrifice to other gods but the Lord. You see what happened in his life? He came to the place where he recognized that there's only one God. Only one God who is truly worthy of our worship. That was the change that took place in his heart. No other God but the Lord. And he alone ought to be worshipped. That's the fundamental change that we experience when we are saved. Salvation isn't adding Jesus to the other gods that you worship. It is not that at all. When we are saved, we embrace Jesus as our only hope and the only one that we worship. We exchange the false, fake, dead gods of this world... For the true and living God, when we put our trust in Jesus, the one who is worthy of our praise. Now as we think of what God did for Naaman, we had to rejoice for him, right? To to think of what happened in his life. This man that was leprous, but even worse than that, this man who didn't know the Lord and God... Changed him? (laughs) Amen. Look what God can do. But guess what? There were some people that weren't at all happy about that. We read about that in Luke chapter 4. Jesus comes to the synagogue and he picks up the scripture and he reads it and he says, Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And then he tells about what God did through Elisha. And there was a leper that was healed and his name was Naaman. And so the synagogue is hearing this, being reminded that there were other lepers there in the land of Israel, but the one God healed was, oh no, a Gentile. That just did not go over well in the Jewish synagogue of Nazareth. They got so angry with Jesus, they were filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill on which the city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. Of course, Jesus just walked away. His time had not yet come to give his life. The people of Nazareth did not want to acknowledge That God would save the life of a Gentile. Let alone an enemy Gentile. Let alone the captain of the army of an enemy nation. That just did not sit well with the people of Nazareth. Warren Wiersbe says these people knew nothing about the grace of God. Nothing. Because when you have experienced the grace of God, you understand something about yourself. You understand that you did not deserve one iota of what God had done for you to save you. These people in Nazareth did not understand that. They were still in that mode of, you know, If the good outweighs the bad and and look what we've done and look at the rules we follow and the ceremonial laws and and our diet and the holy days and all that. And you're going to say that this Gentile who doesn't follow any of this, God healed him and God saved him. They knew nothing about the grace of God. So let me ask you today, what do you know about the grace of God? What do you know about the grace of God? What do you know about salvation? Have you learned there's no other way but grace? Do you understand there is no other hope but God? There is no other response but faith. There is no other God but the Lord. When it comes to salvation, there is no other alternative. Coming to church this morning, you had several alternatives. When it comes to heaven, there's only one. And Naaman finally came to understand there's only one way. I trust you understand that today. That you've embraced that good news of Jesus. Jesus. That He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, that you've experienced what it means to be saved, and your desire is to worship Him and Him alone. Not adding Jesus to the other gods you worship, but exchanging those false gods for the true God, Jesus Christ, who came to die for you. No other way. No other alternative. No other one that you can put your hope in today except Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there are many in the world today who need to grasp what Naaman finally came to understand. That his only hope was in you, Lord. The only way that his life would ever be transformed was if you transformed it. And Father, the same is true for every one of us here today. Every one of us who has ever walked the face of this earth, there is no other way but Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done for us. Thank you for the blood that you shed for us, the price that you paid for us. And as we come now to your table, Lord Jesus, we rejoice in what you did for Gentiles like us, people who need your saving grace. Lord, help us to embrace that good news today, rejoicing in the finished work of Christ on the cross for all our sins. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.